Are you here? <laughs> yeah, it's not because I'm being nosy that I ask, are you here? But rather, it's about manners. I want to be the first to welcome you, and secondly, thank you for being here. Okay? Okay. Good. Welcome. What we have for you today is our interview with Ms. Maya Beiser. Maya Beiser is one of the most renowned concert cellists who has released several albums, including one in particular entitled Uncovered, featuring songs by Pink Floyd, Led Zeppelin, ACDC, Nirvana, and more. In this interview from our vast archives, Ms. Maya Beiser talks with Paul Edward Leslie about her roots growing up in Israel as the daughter of an Argentinian man and a French woman. Plus, her musical side. They get into the album Uncovered a bit. Oh, you're going to like this. Say, how would you consider, kindly consider, subscribing to the Paul Leslie YouTube channel? Oh my, that would be super. Thank you in advance if you do it. And you'll do it, won't you? So, with that... I have looked and found no reason to delay our interview with the lovely, talented Ms. Maya Beiser. Ladies and gentlemen, our special guest is Maya Beiser. Thank you. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much. I think most stories are best from the beginning. What was life like growing up? Well, I grew up in a small Argentinian community, a kibbutz in Israel, in the northern, actually, yeah, in the northern part of Israel, in the Galilee, and I was very fortunate to be in a community that music was was just valued as a very important thing, and everybody started to play instruments at the age of six, and I chose the cello. For many reasons, <laughs> but but in particular, I just I loved the sound of the cello, and from there on, my whole journey with this uh, wonderful instrument started. But the landscape, musical landscape of my of my childhood, has always stayed with me, and it was a fascinating place with many different kinds of music. I, of course, played mostly, in fact, exclusively classical music, but I was surrounded by all kinds of music, and it influenced me greatly throughout my artistic work. You said all kinds of music. So what kind of stuff did you hear? Well, my father was Argentinian, as I said, and so he played a lot of music from Argentina. I grew up listening to tango a lot, Gaudel and Piazzolla were frequent on our, you know, in our household. And my mother was French, and she had a whole other kind of so Jacques Brel and Edith Piaf were there as well. But then I was surrounded by Arabic Bedouin villages, the kibbutz was, and. So every morning at 5 a.m. I would hear the sound of the muezzin, uh, the call to prayer from the nearby mosque. And that music 
has also become something that I was very fascinated with. They were the sounds of Christian chants, people who were coming, uh, pilgrimage who were coming to the nearby sites of Jesus. And so it was, it was a very international, it was a very melting pot, if you will, of different cultures. And, and, and I took it all in as a little girl. And it influenced me in many different ways. And I think, I think in the most profound way is that music for me has always been this wonderful way to express the human spirit. And I've always felt that music has no borders and has no boundaries. And it's something that is more powerful than than anything else in terms of just expressing our hopes and our and our aspirations and that's always been the, the motto for me the thing that I've followed in my career very curious to know how your parents came to Israel what was the what was the reason well my mother followed my father because she fell in love, so <laughs> love was the reason for that. My father was was part of a Jewish, in fact, originally came from Ukraine. His family originally came from Ukraine to Argentina, and they were called the Jewish Gauchos. They settled in the middle of uh, the Pampas in Argentina, and they were forced out of Ukraine, you know, in the turn of the century because they were persecuted and but they were Zionists and and my father was the only one from my family actually that um, made the um, the Aliyah as we call it and and went to Israel. He came with a group of young kids who all came from Argentina and wanted to start a kibbutz. It was this incredible time in the early 1960s where it was just this incredible passion about changing the world. And among Jews, of course, around the world, Israel was formed by then, and the sense of needing to go to Israel and needing to change the fate of the Jewish people was so strong. It was a kibbutz that was based on the youth movement called Hashomer Tzayir. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it was an atheist movement. So religion was not part of it. It was about being Jewish and connecting to the land. You know, sometimes I think about it, it was really, it was really, you know, the Jewish 60s movement. You know, it was the hippie Jews. <laughs> Although they were not hippies. They were, uh, it was a different thing. But but in the idea of of connecting to the land, creating this utopian society, and and trying to and really really doing everything being self-sustained that was one of the incredible thing. I mean, these were kids that came from bourgeois families, very cultural, very artistically inclined. None of them really knew how to be farmers or <laughs> how to do anything. I mean, it, it, it was just kind of like they just went there and started this kibbutz and started agriculture and grew everything and and it was it was a remarkable a remarkable experiment if you will well it, it was an experiment in many ways but but it was it was a great it was a great society tell us about your introduction to rock music 
Well, you you need to imagine this, what I just told you, which is growing up in this kibbutz, hearing all these different things, but really playing classical music exclusively. I was very passionate about playing the cello, and when I discovered the cello, it was just this incredible gift that was given to me. And so, and my teachers were very strictly classical, so that was the context. And one day, a friend of mine just played a track of Janis Joplin for me. I was 16 at the time, and it shook me to my core. It's just her raw, unique expression instantly made its way into the inner shrine where until then only the likes of Bach and Beethoven were allowed to enter. It felt so sacrilegious that I remember just being feeling giddy with guilt. Just imagine a young acolyte of any dogma experiencing her first transgression. So that's what it was like for me back then. It was just this incredibly powerful moment hearing a woman rocker screaming and giving her all. And I just remember vowing then that this is how I want to play the cello. This is the kind of performer I want to be. So she had an incredibly powerful influence on me. And then from there on, I just started to listen to all kinds of rock music, not necessarily to what was the popular thing at the time, but but the things that drew me in. And it was mostly art rock and progressive rock that I would listen to. I discovered Brian Eno, and I discovered Genesis, and Peter Gabriel, and, and King Crimson, and all these amazing bands that I just started to listen to all that stuff obsessively. But it was all the secret thing that I was doing late at night after I finished practicing, you know, Dvorak and Bach and, and, and Tchaikovsky. And I couldn't tell anybody that this is really what I was listening to because it was not, <laughs> it was not okay. I mean, it was not something that was, was really considered serious music by classical musicians and certainly not by my teachers. So it was very much kind of, something that developed as this other secret passion of mine. And it really wasn't until much later in my career and after I came to the United States and and really started to go on the path that I've been going on, which is rethinking everything I've known and, and recreating sort of a new identity for the cello, which is what has been my you know trajectory as as a as a musician, but then I felt well you know I think I can incorporate some of some of this music that I I really I really love and I wanted my audience to you know to hear it the way I hear it and to find a new way you know to to present this music which is really what it was about for me it wasn't so much about like oh I want to play this popular music that everybody loves but it was about I want to play, I want to reimagine this music through the cello and bring it to the people who, you know, who listen to, to my work and, and, and bring them into this world, which I think is just so great and find a new way to present this great music and, and give it the weight that it deserves. The title of this album, it's uncovered 
by our special guest, Maya Beiser. There's songs on here, everything from Nirvana, Pink Floyd, Jimi Hendrix, ACDC. Mm-hmm. What was the catalyst that sparked the idea to, to put all these songs together? Well, there were many catalysts. The first one was we did Cashmere. I collaborated with with the same person who has collaborated on this album from you know throughout, which is Evan Zipporin, and he sent me an arrangement that he made for multi cellos of Cashmere. This is while I was recording another album, which is called Provenance, and which was about my growing up in the Middle East and. When I got this, I thought, wow, I, I really need to record this for, for provenance because Kashmir has this wonderful Middle Eastern melody in the middle of the song. And so we ended up recording it for provenance. It became very successful. People loved it. I got fantastic response for it. So then, and we had so much fun doing it. So I decided I need to do a whole album with Evan and with my sound engineer. And it was really the three of us, Evan Zipporah and Dave Cook and myself, who created this album, A Song at a Time. We did it over a long period of time. And many many crossover albums are, are, are driven by record companies wanting to have an artist to expand the, you know, their audience and all kinds of marketing ideas. This album is kind of the opposite in a way. You know, it was really driven by our love, by our wanting to to do it from the ground up. It's even more satisfying, I think, in that way for me to see, first of all, the amazing reaction to this album and how well it's doing and how much people love it, which maybe it's, maybe it's perfect because they sense that, you know? <laughs> I don't know. But, but yeah, so the idea was to really to, to choose the songs that had some kind of revolutionary impact on me in one way or another. So, of course, Janis Joplin's Summertime was there because that was the song that I heard <laughs> that sparked the whole thing. And then and then all these other songs really had some very important meaning to, to me in one way or another. So that was the, the kind of, the you know, the, the impetus for all of this. And then the idea of it was really to, you know, because every song has multi-track cellos, a lot of them, and I really wanted to find the sound that would work for each song. And so it wasn't even, it wasn't only about finding the way to play it, which of course is very important because, you know, translating rock music to the cello, you can't just come and play it in a classical way. I mean, you can't, but it's just not going to sound good. <laughs> so a lot of it is about figuring out, of course, how to how to make this thing sound right, how to not make it sound cheesy, you know, how to make it sound organic and real and just as raw and powerful as the original. So it was not about trying to recreate the original, but rather it's about reimagining the original, deconstructing it, rethinking it, and making it like something new and powerful. So, I mean, of course, you'd be the judge when you hear it, if, if it works, but each song... That was that was how we approached it, and and it was fun. It's like you know, it's like making a. I I'd like to think about it like making a, 
an art piece. Like you have this open canvas and because the multi-tracking process is just so great because you just start putting each track and it's like putting red or and, and green and, and yellow and, and just starting to create all these colors and slowly you come up with something that you say, yeah, this is it. And it's just a great process. You said that these songs, it's the word you used I thought was really interesting. You reimagined the, the mm-hmm. different songs. Was there a song on here that you're, you're most proud of the interpretation you came up with? Yeah, I think, I think Wish You Were Here is one that I love because it's probably the, the most removed from the original. You know, Wish You Were Here was a little bit of, you know, it's a challenge to do something that is so, the original is so perfect in a way. It's like, how do you do that? How do you do something that still incorporates the original melody and, and harmony, but gives it a new spin, you know, makes something new out of it. And so I love that. I love the way we came up with it because it started, we sort of did this whole improvisation with harmonics with the cello in the beginning. And it just starts like this kind of strange ambient piece that you don't really know where it's leading, you know, and it takes quite a while until you realize, oh, yeah, this is what it is, <laughs> you know. And so I like that. It's quite removed, but then it takes you in eventually and you're like there. And when you're there, it's like really, it's really, I think, very satisfying. So I would say that one is something I love a lot. I also, you know, really like the ACDC, you know, Back in Black, because, and that one is an interesting one, because that was not something I initially wanted to do on the album. They weren't really a band that, you know, I was listening to uh, much like all the other ones on this album. And, and they, I wasn't sure if it was going to work. It, this was the one track that was really Evans Porn's idea to do. He really wanted to do it. And we had a lot of back and forth about it. You know, we started, we recorded it first with, with a different kind of approach to the vocals. And I didn't like it. It didn't feel like it was right. And then Evan rewrote it and we made this decision to approach the vocals as this kind of crazy psychedelic multi-track cello. Uh, so we ended up stacking all the different harmonies on top of it and, and processing in this way that then just became really great. And I'm really proud of that that track. I think it's by far the most hard-rocking track on the album, I think, along with Black Dog and, Jimmy, and, and, and you know, the Jimi Hendrix tune. But, but I think... It really works. So these are probably the two extremes. And the album is the Wish You Were Here, which is kind of the extreme towards the sonic scape, ambient very almost abstract. And to 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 Batman Black, which is just very very rock and roll, and and which I was really happy. And we we went through this whole journey with it, but but I was very happy with the end result of it. For anyone who listens to this album, Uncovered, what do you want the listener to get out of that experience? I want them to have fun. <laughs> I want them to enjoy themselves. I mean, I think I want them to be moved. I think I think that's what music needs to do. You know, music needs to tell a story, whatever it is that it's in your head. So it needs to take you to to a wonderful place and... 
make you feel happy and or make you want to cry. <laughs> I mean, I think it's always great to talk about it, and some people want to know more than others, but ultimately, I just want you to want them to to just listen to it and just enjoy the music. I think that's what it needs to be about. What is the best thing about being my advisor? <laughs> Oh my God, so many things. You know, I think I'm very blessed. I think that I'm blessed, A, because I have an amazing family. I have an incredible partner who taught me to be grateful every day and to, to really, to really live life now and and appreciate the good in it, which is great. And same is true with my two amazing kids who are just giving me amazing <laughs> happiness and make me be even more thankful every day. So I think that's that's probably the greatest thing about it. I think that having this gift of music is amazing, being able to travel the world and meet fantastic people being able to connect to people through music is such a gift and in my my own small way i always hope that that i i make a difference in these people in people's lives and 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 i think the energy of music the more that we have that the better our humanity and our civilization is going to be and the more we can tilt you know the weight towards the right kind of things in humanity and there's so many other terrible things that are happening so I try every day to do the things that I think are meaningful or are, and are and are doing good for me and for, for the rest of us and so I'm very I'm very blessed. <laughs> for anyone who's listening to this interview this is very open-ended but what would you say to them? Oh you know do good. <laughs> and be good and yeah i think i think the most important thing is every day to evaluate not to just let the, the day just go by you know without at least one moment of thinking where i am what is it that i want to do you know realizing that our time on this planet is not forever unfortunately and so or maybe fortunately we need to really be in that moment and we need to to be connected to the good around us. And and I think music has that ability to do that in many ways. So listen to music. <laughs> well, my last question, who is my advisor? Oh, I am just like all of us. I mean, I am a woman for once. That's a very strong part of my identity. I'm Jewish. I'm not a religious Jew, but I'm very much Jewish is part of my identity and my history and the history of my people, and that's definitely informed me. I am now an American, and there's a lot of things that I'm proud of of this country and some things that I'm not. I'm a New Yorker, <laughs> a very, very passionate New Yorker. I am passionate about eating right. I'm a vegetarian. I practice yoga every day. And that's very much part of who I am. I'm a mother and I love being a mother. And then I'm a performing artist as well as a musician. In other words, I, I, I cherish a lot of different kinds of elements in performance. And so I think in many ways I'm also a collaborative artist. 
because I collaborate with a lot of different people. So all of the above. I thank you very much for this interview. You're very welcome. Really great answers. Thank you. (laughs) Okay, well, have a wonderful day. Thank you so much. Be well. Thank you for stopping by today. If you enjoyed our program, consider telling a friend about it. The Paul Leslie Hour is made possible through people just like you. So you want to keep the show going, right? Go to thepaulleslie.com. That's thepaulleslie.com. Click on Support the Show. And thanks to everyone who contributes. Performance of the intro music is courtesy of John Primerano, the entertainer. Written by Scott Joplin. End credit theme music is courtesy of John Primerano. The traditional song, Corina, Corina. Your announcer is Dan Gold. Hey, that's me. The show is hosted and produced by Paul Leslie. And we'll see you next time on the Paul Leslie Hour.